Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. Except for this month, where we are not doing Netflix because it's no Netflix November, baby! I'm Kai. Woo! I'm Marty. I'm Hannah. And uh, Hi. As, <laughs> hello, as we said before, this is no Netflix November, so we are focusing on movies from other streaming platforms. Today's movie comes from Shudder. Special shout out to Shudder. If you want to sponsor Woo. us, we're like totally taking sponsors. So please. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was perfect. I'm keeping that in. Um, okay. So that was for you, Shudder. <laughs> <laughs> today's movie was actually recommended to me by my brother, Ethan, who unfortunately couldn't be with us today because he is very, very busy. Um, but I appreciate him reaching out. So today we are talking Shout about Neroy. Its English name is The Curse. It is a 2005 Japanese found footage horror film. Um, when Ethan recommended it to me, he actually sold it by saying, yeah, it reminded me a lot of Ghost Watch, which is like this horror movie that I adore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ghost Watch is one that I recommended we watch at one point, and it's kind of like a news documentary thing, and then you find out that the ghost is real and that it's basically because they've been reporting on it it's taken over like all of the electrical waves and it's cool and this is kind of like that but very different i yeah. definitely see the connections in terms of pacing mm -hmm. because it starts the whole thing is kind of slow but then mm -hmm. there's like a usually a turn here and there that like really hooks you that's very effective and then the ending is just very balls to the wall supernatural so i i yeah. definitely see the resemblance and they very much commit to the documentary style yeah of filmmaking so mm -hmm. that was very good yeah yeah i agree i think that like the pacing's slow so that might um frustrate a lot of people but i really dug it i think it's like a good exercise in how to build suspense mm -hmm. and like keep your audience kind of intrigued um I liked the documentary style a lot and like the editing and they kind of yeah. just take there's I think Hannah said at one point like wow this movie has a million different frame narratives because um, yeah. they do like kind of have several things going on at once but then, then by the end they all kind of it ends up going to the same place. It's kind of like all different reports from like TV and then you find out that they're all interconnected and this guy is like pulling all of this footage from elsewhere to make this like documentary about this little girl that went missing, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's just a general supernatural um, journalist and I think he stumbled across these psychics people who were kind of starting to have similar visions or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah. our main character is Mr. Kobayashi, and he's the guy that's, like, putting together this whole, like, documentary. Um, and I think at one point he's, I think he's just, like, talking about, like, different phenomena that are happening. And he comes across this girl named Kana, um, who is, like... she's She's got, like, a kind of supernatural gift where she can, like, see things... 
without like actually seeing them and like conjuring different things. Mm-hmm. Um, she made fucking water. This girl could solve a lot of problems. Well, my favorite yeah. thing about that scene, like, so, like, she was on this, like, TV show where she's, like, showing off her supernatural gifts and, like, she's drawing things that, you know, are, like, she's being asked to draw, but she can't see it. And then, like, at one point she draws this thing and it's, like, you know, later on, it's linked to the thing that's, uh, the, like, the demon that is, like, killing everyone. <laughs> um, and then at one point she conjures water and it's from a river. Um, and then I think later, I, like, it's basically shown that, like, it's the water from the, uh, the area where the demon lives that got flooded when there was this dam built in, like, 1978, and the whole town flooded. Um, and I think it's the water from there. So, I think that's really cool how they all, like, really, really cool. thought out all of that and then just, like, put it all together. Yeah, I will say uh, the movie did drag a little bit for me, but it never Mm -hmm. was uninteresting. Like, the lore was very interesting. The way the story weaved together was very interesting. The pacing is just a little dry. I kind of wish more spooky stuff had happened, but at the same time, when the spooky stuff did happen, it was very effective because it was so spaced out and so methodically plotted. Mm -hmm. So, I don't really know. It's one of those things where I kind of want my cake and I want to eat it too. But I also did. So I don't know. Maybe it was like diet cake. So there are some other characters that we need to know about. So like, um, there's this woman named Junko Ishii. And she's like, kind of weird. And you find out later that she's like the daughter of a priest from the town that got flooded. Um, And during... So this pl- takes place in like 2002, 2003. So this is like like so the 70s would be like 30 years ago instead of 50. Good god. Um <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and um so like you find out that like 30 years prior she had been a part of this like ritual that the town had takes part in and like she got possessed during the ritual. And they had to stop it, and they didn't finish it. Um, And then you find out she's, like, been trying to bring back this demon. Um, And then there's another guy named... Was Hori, I think? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And And the demon's name was... I'm looking this up. uh, Kagutaba. Yeah, Kagutaba. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Hori can, like, see, he calls them, like, worms, and he, like, and it's, like, I think supernatural energy that, like, saps your life force that's, like, connected to Kabutaba, at least. Um, or Kagutaba, I don't remember how you say it. (laughs) It's, like, 1am here, so I'm very tired. (laughs) Um... But that's okay. Um, So, like, he can see, like, the supernatural stuff that, like, is linked to Kagetaba. And there are several instances where he, like, he's, like, 
screaming for this little girl that went missing. Her name is Kana. And, like, he, like, really is, like, connected to her in some way. And I think it's because, like, you know, she's just a little girl. And, like, she's so innocent. And Well, like, I think they're both psychic. Yeah, yeah, well, they like, are. They're psychics. So they kind of yeah. bond that way. Um, because mm-hmm. before she went missing, he went to visit her. Yeah. Um... I, honestly, and he so might have like, been like my favorite character in the film. Yeah, <laughs> I really love him. So much. He's got this uh, tinfoil hat the whole time, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, he you know, a he's a little crazy, a little, little crazy. But I mean, yeah. if I could see like ghost storms, I, I, I would be too. Yeah, well, the I, thing I love about him is he seems like an unreliable source because of all the things he's been exposed to that would warp anyone's kind of perception of the world. But he's never wrong. Yeah, like he's never he wrong. is out. I don't think there's an instance in the movie where he is incorrect about anything. Mm-hmm. And also, like Kai said, I love the tinfoil on everything. I guess that never paid off in a certain way, but it visually looked so cool. Like there's a moment where he's running through the woods later in the film, and just visually, it's, really it's reflective. so cool. Mm-hmm. I love it. That yes. that shot reminded me of. And this is like really dumb, but like this the scene from one of the episodes of uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me, the TV show, where they're running around after the clown box like steals a child, and Griffin's like, "I abandoned my boy, I abandoned <laughs> my boy," and <laughs> so like when Hori's running around like that, I'm like imagining that because the camera's so shaky and it's just like this guy chasing after him. Yep. It's, yeah, that that kind of, like, found footage, tropey type thing. And mm-hmm. it's just very funny. Um, I mean, it's not funny in the context of the film, because, like, he's freaking out and trying to find the spirit of a little girl who was later to be revealed to have been force-fed a bunch of aborted babies, and then she died. Yeah, that was messed really up. Fucked up. That was um, some... Well, and the shot, there is a, a... I guess we'll get there in the plot analysis, but the shot where they reveal that is so fucking yeah, weird. Yeah, no, the... It's so cool. They built, like... It's like all these little clay faces that are supposed mm-hmm. to represent, like, the babies, and sometimes they just show up. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Um so Kana actually drew one of those little faces when she um was taking that psychic test. Um and there was like she got a wrong answer or whatever, but like you go back and like look at, you know, the footage of her taking that test and it's like literally that that like creepy mask <laughs> face and it's really cool. Yeah. I also love all the kid acting in this film because every mm-hmm. single one of them looks absolutely done with this shit. Like, there's literally a moment where he's interviewing Kana and she's just like, well, we're all gonna die. And she just keeps drawing. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's yeah. a Gen Z right there. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> well, th- she's actually... So this takes place in, like, 2002, 2003. Um... And but like it was filmed in 2005, so she's actually our age, which is very funny. I know, but I was making a joke. So she's early Gen Z, technically. There you go. A Z millennial. Yeah, or late millennial. That's that's what I consider myself, I guess. I'm a Z millennial. Yeah. 
but uh yeah i i agree i thought the child acting was great because honestly like it adds a sense of um reality to it because like when you interview a child for a documentary either they are an attention hog and like want to ham up and exaggerate because they're on camera or they just like want nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of the kids in this movie wanted nothing to do with it but like i i really appreciated that i mean Mm -hmm. they were being possessed for the most part so i can understand (laughs) yeah um Um, so we did touch on the twist uh but we can get more into that so you learn that yes all of this bad happenings are being caused by a demon that was summoned by this um town like years and years ago and um i guess like they just summoned it because they wanted to control it but then they lost control of it so i'm like yeah good job um (laughs) and they they summoned it by feeding it baby monkeys which is the whole how the whole fetus thing like plays in well you kill a bunch of dogs and then feed it monkeys well you feed the medium the monkeys and then yeah you're supposed to feed (laughs) yeah um so and there's a third psychic as well who's a young woman who appears on reality. It's essentially like if BuzzFeed Unsolved got a third lady who can like who is yeah. a medium is how I define um, I thought of this third character. So actually mm-hmm. cuz her name is Marika and actually Marika. that she is a Japanese actress and she's playing herself. Oh my like, god, her real name awesome. is, is Marika, and like she's playing herself in the movie, which is really great. And again, like adds mm-hmm. that extra layer of like reality to the documentary. Mm-hmm. So um I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so like she gets possessed at s- certain points where like she just like stops moving and starts groaning and like, we'll start screaming at random intervals, um, and it happens a couple of times, once in the woods, um, and then once with Mr. Kobayashi's wife, like, she made her dinner or something, because they had been, you know, in contact for a while, um, and then there's an- there's another time after they, like, try to perform a ritual to get rid of the spirit, um and she's like in the car and then she like freaks out gets out of the car and then runs into the woods <laughs> and starts yeah. having another one that of those that was like fits. the best cuz that's where you see the little the like it looks like she's lit on fire and then there's all the little fetus things crawling all, all over her and it's really cool yeah um, it's really creepy <laughs> Very yeah, because the the whole thing with the demon is so when the town was flooded by a dam that burst, then um, the because the town used to have this ritual they would perform to keep the demon like locked away, but when the town flooded, then the demon like was able to just escape into the world and like start possessing people, and yeah, so there was, there was a lot of the these different characters who we meet throughout the film go and uh try to perform this ritual doesn't work no it's great now that i think about it too because um what was her name marika marika thank you she's the only one who lives by the end of this i think which is even funnier considering she's just playing herself 
because then you still could have plausibleness in the reality of the world because if everyone else is fictional and they're dead but this person was real and she's alive then you can kind of keep the reality going of it beyond the narrative so that's kind of fun yeah Yeah. it is really cool very interesting i like that a lot yeah um so by the end of it they like piece all of this together like that Junko Ishii is like trying to summon the demon and she kidnapped uh the little girl Kana and started feeding her aborted babies from this like so Junko was like a nurse and like she performed abortions but she would like steal the fetuses after a while and just keep them and was probably feeding them to Kana after she went missing um and then she like sacrificed a bunch of dogs and then the demon got out and then yeah it's just there's a lot yeah <laughs> yeah so kana ends up dead but there's this little boy there also mm-hmm. um and so like the Mr. documentary Kobayashi yeah he and his wife him. yeah they decide to adopt the boy and you find um, out later that everyone thought that that was Junko's son, but it's like she, it's not actually her son. She just kidnapped a little boy and was keeping him. And I'm not totally sure for what reason. Well, from my understanding, um, the boy either was Kagutaba from the beginning or he was a little boy that she like used as a vessel for Katugaba. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, whatever happens, <laughs> uh, he ends up possessed. And mm-hmm. so at the very end of the film, we see, um, Mr. Kogoyashi's wife, like, lighting herself on fire. Mm-hmm. And then their so, whole house yeah. burns down, and the text informs us that he is missing. That they so found her dead out- body, but he's missing, which is, like, so, yeah. a nice, mysterious way to end. Mm-hmm. Hori ends up institutionalized and then he like escapes and like hunts Mr. Kobayashi and his family down and beats him with a rock and then tries to kill his son and his wife and then I don't know if they actually died or not. Well, the wife died for sure because they said they found her body. Yeah. But well, like, then he the- sees the spirit of the little girl and then the boy either reveals him. Yeah, he reveals himself to be I keep having to refer back to the Wikipedia. Katugaba. Yeah. And then he, I think he possesses, um, Hoji? Hori. Hori, Hori, Hori. Um, I'm bad with the names in these movies. It's also, I'm, I'm also a little bit wired right now, so that might be part of it too. But yeah, he possesses him and then he and the boy leave while the, the wife sets herself in the house on fire. Hmm. And then somebody sent the tapes to the news. Yeah, well, it's, like, it's addressed from Mr. Kobayashi, so it's presumed to be him, but no one knows for sure, because he's missing. It's very interesting, yeah. but there's a lot so, going on. <laughs> Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that uh, we did our best piecing this together, but it really makes more sense if you just watch it, because there's mm-hmm. so many different threads all being mm-hmm. covered, like, in a different order. Yeah, and um, it all loops back around, and I think that's yeah. really funny because there's a very specific image of ropes and looping back around into itself 
um, in the actual story. Like, so another thing that's like linked to Kagutaba is like people like passing out and then waking up with like wires or like yarn just like tied in these loops and they don't remember doing it and I just think that's really funny that they did that and then they also did that with the story yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. actually that's a good point Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely the production design in this movie was top tier it was so cool to see that house covered in the interweaving uh, ropes Mm -hmm. it was so fascinating yeah and Junko's the inside of Junko's house with like all of the little masks covering the walls that was really interesting too i loved that yeah i loved that too oh and then it's it's kind of gross but like they have like pigeon like pigeon pieces like strung up in the woods and like there's like a circle of dead dogs and like it's gory and really gross but it's also very cool looking yeah very every fucking time a little those birds showed up but Every fucking time those birds showed up, um, like Adam Driver from SNL came into my dead head, bird. like I have something to sell sh- to show you, children. This dead bird, and there's like a <laughs> shit ton of dead pigeons and, in this movie, and you crush it into the ground. <laughs> uh, yeah, you crush um, him beneath your. So heel. I will say, like, because this the filming style is so uh, based in like reality. It does seem more jarring when stuff like that happens, like when there's violence oh, yeah. or like animal death and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems a lot more shocking. So I do think like that's really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think found footage is slowly becoming one of my favorite subgenres of horror. Honestly, me too. And people like always complain about it or like act like it's lesser. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I really like it. I think that it engages the audience yeah. in a way that like nothing else quite does. Um, I yeah. think that some of the unique ways in which these this subgenre weaves narratives is really cool. Mm-hmm. I think history is going to be kinder to this genre as time goes by, kind of like how history was kind to the slasher genre because really when you think about it, it was a huge game changer because everyone's always complaining about ho- horror isn't creative anymore. But w- as we entered the 20th century in Y2K, like found footage was a great way to explore like the societal fears regarding like mm-hmm. documentation of reality and how we view the world around yeah. us. And I really, and was... I, yeah, I want more of it. Yeah, yeah. And that was like the first time that like having a handheld camera was like affordable and ready readily available um so like a lot of the time i think people really took a um like took a liking to that just because it was like very easy to do um mm-hmm. and i st- i still really love it like um, you know, you have, like, the old, like, early 2000s cameras, and those are always really fun, but, like, even now, if you just use a DSLR, it still gives that kind of homemade feel to mm-hmm. it, and it it's already, always, like, really interesting to watch. Um, yeah. The, ma- the main complaint I always hear about found footage films is, like, why are people filming that? <laughs> why would you film this? 
And it's like, maybe sometimes people like to talk to themselves. Yeah. Well, and I just, as time I goes by, time. we film fucking everything now. Yeah, like, like people are live kind of streaming the themselves. Yeah, doing yeah. anything. Well, and not to get super serious, but like that is the main way we hold people accountable now is the kind of hope and guarantee that someone around you has a phone to capture what's going on if something is wrong. So I think yeah. that that phenomenon is also kind of playing into this, you know, because horror's always kind of been about the invasion of the home, the invasion of the safe space. And this found footage style, I think, has gotten more to the heart of that than any other genre when you think about it, because the whole mm-hmm. point is to make it as real as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. something very intimate about home movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh. I sound like... I sound like Mr. Creep. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> There's just something very apologize. intimate about home movies, and it makes it even scarier just because it's like, it's like steeped in that realism, and it's very, very interesting to watch and like react to just because it, it does feel so much more real. And not yeah. only that, I love the creative ways they play with, like, the little details that come with filming something yourself. Like, there's a moment that I love in this film where they're talking to, um, Hori. And, um, like, I think it's the first instance they go and interview him in his home, and the camera starts glitching, and you see these frozen images of, like, what's later revealed to be, like, the the demon and, like, kind of the fetus representations, and they're just Mm -hmm. frozen in the camera, and it's so effective. I love that. Yeah. Or I love when found footage does this. Like, I think Creep did it a little bit as well. This one is a little more subtle about it. There's a scene where they're filming the actress in the woods and she's like, I sense a spirit. And then she starts screaming and you're like, what, what? And then later it's revealed that there was one of those, like, a silhouette of the the kid and the demon face in the far corner and, like, you wouldn't notice it unless you were looking for it. And, like, that's how reality is. You don't notice something because it's never placed right in front of you. It's always, like, just off to the left or just in the furthest corner of your eye. And, like, I love horror that does that. Like, I think Haunting of Hill House does it, too, where if you look in, like, the corners of the frame, you'll see ghosts everywhere. Yeah. And I just, I wish yeah. I could see that more in movies. I love when they do that. Mm-hmm. I they do, did too. That in, uh, the Strangers, too, and that was really, yeah. it was really strong when they did it in that yeah. one, too. Um, so what are I, the things... I think it's really... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Well, I was gonna say, I think it's really funny when, like, they, like, have to point it out very specifically in these movies, because it doesn't make it that's scary it's just like it just kind of makes it a little funnier because like but then they the, but go like back to that footage and then they like zoom in on it but that's so like, something that a documentary would do like we've all watched would. those silly alien documentaries on tv yeah, or the I ghost just, ones where they like pull up the picture and then they zoom in and draw a red circle around it i'm like yeah, yeah. it's but, this movie is so good at utilizing the mm-hmm. dramatic zoom yeah. Yes. I, I literally watched a like a nightline or something this morning where a girl was escaping a terrible home and it was like that security footage where she you can just see her kind of 
running off into the top corner of the frame and they and they literally stop and say, did you catch that? And then they play it again <laughs> when it's super zoomed in. So I really, I see I what you mean it. in that it does kind of lessen the impact, but also I missed it. So I was grateful they went back. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I also missed it, but it's just very, it's very funny when they like, they like pause it and then they go back to it and then they play like this really like god awful like sting. I <laughs> like the in. sting. No, it's 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 funny and I I do like it. It's just also very loud usually. <laughs> <sighs> That's good. Yeah. So one of the things that I really liked about this movie is um I feel like in supernatural horror kind of films, it's so often based on, like, Judeo-Christian mythology. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously, especially here in the West, because um, that's what people are familiar with. But it was really cool to see something else that, like, wasn't necessarily from that. I mean, yeah. like, given Seeing, that, you like, know, Japan is a completely different demons. culture. And mm -hmm. so I liked... It was just really nice to see a different take on, like, demons and stuff instead of, like, yeah. the same old, like, oh, hold up your crucifix and, like, <laughs> well, yeah. it, it was just, it Jesus just felt refreshing. Um, yeah, which maybe that speaks to, like, me and that I just need to watch more foreign mm -hmm. horror films. Yeah, um I feel that way, too. There, But I it was, it was refreshing. It was nice. Yeah, it's always really refreshing when you don't have to, like, rely on um, crucifixes and all of that with it. And you have different ways of having to beat something. Um, and that's not to say that, like, having, like, the Christian mythos in uh, stuff isn't fun. It just it gets very boring after a while if you don't mix it up. And how yeah, you deal when you, with it. When you see mm -hmm. it like 50 times a year, then it gets kind of old. Um, and that, again, that more just speaks of like the American film industry and how um, derivative a lot of films are. <laughs> because yeah. that well, and I makes think, money. <laughs> well, and I think it's also like, you know how they say, like, write about what you know. I think a lot of American filmmakers grew up christian so when they think of things that make yeah. them scared they kind of harken back to those things which is why i think you're right i think it is important to kind of seek other forms of media from other places so that you can understand kind of different cultural fears and different cultural anxieties and how how creative and how um humanizing it can be for us all to kind of engage with each other's fears and not pretend like our scares are the scariest things in the world because when you think about the the disasters that happened in Japan as compared to the disasters that have happened here, like their, their whole cultural basis and the, their anxieties are so much different and created mm -hmm. such beautiful and terrifying pieces of art that I really, mm -hmm. I agree. I really need to uh, dive deeper into that. Yeah. Cause it's it, this, if it's more stuff like this, it's incredibly fascinating. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, mean, I, like... I go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I'm almost done. Just, like, I find the, like, American anxieties interesting, too. But, you know, after you've seen them for a while, you're like, I get it. We're scared of God. Move on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that might be the reason why I don't like the Conjuring movies all that much. Just because, like, it's very, like, stuck within Christian lore and, like, the nun thing and Annabelle and it's all, like, there's demons and you gotta expel the demons and Jesus and whatever. And it just gets kind of boring. <laughs> um, I, I would much rather see, like, because, like, the Christian take on it is, like, very prevalent, but, like, I, even though, like, you know, Judaism and Islam are, like, also very major religions, I never, ever see how they deal with, like, stuff like this. And yeah. I feel like that would be really interesting to see, and I really wish that someone would greenlight those. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, say... I've, um... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 uh, you go. It's okay. So one of my coworkers, um, who I've gotten to know, like, she's Jewish, and so sometimes she'll just, like, because we both love creepy things, so she'll just, like, tell me, like, Jewish folklore of, like, scary Ooh. stories. So I never mm -hmm. do this. Apparently the Corpse Bride is based off, like, a Jewish folktale. That's oh, wow. really interesting. And I so like she that. like told me and the original version of of course like way more terrifying. Um yeah. so it's been like really fun. And I'm like like all this stuff that she's telling me I'm like why has no one made a horror movie about this yet? Like yeah. there's so many amazing stories here. Well, and I will say I do think it could be a very fine line to tread because if you're someone who doesn't have a background in that kind of cultural religion because with Christianity, I feel like Christians have done some fucked up things and have like yeah. colonized. So I think it's it's more punching up when you you're kind of, you know, turning this kind of religion into something terrifying, into something that's formidable and oppressive as opposed to other religions which maybe aren't have been more on the the receiving end of injustice. So I think like while yeah. we should um explore those things because they deserve to see the light of day, I think it does it, I, I think it needs to be treated as itself rather than, you know, like another Christian yeah. thing where we just replace like scary Jesus with like scary Buddha. Like, I don't think those two <laughs> uh, religious figures yeah. um, have I, the same I would watch weight, scary Buddha the movie. <laughs> I mean, I, think that, really um, Usually, I, mean, I though, think that like, the point would be like you're taking a monster from the culture. Right, 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 like, right. That's the villain and, like, and not the religion mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. And right. Most of the time with christian stuff it's usually the christianity that is part of the protagonist stuff even if it's like something from christianity or like demons or whatever usually what's being expelled is you know done so with the power of jesus so like i, I see what you're saying but i do think that's what's interesting about horror nowadays is you think of stuff like midnight mass stuff like the vavitch where it is very critical of the oppressive force of how Christianity yeah. developed mm -hmm. specifically in America. Yeah, um, I'm thinking yeah. I'm thinking more like if if we did some like or not we, but like if there was a movie about like Jewish culture and the folklore mm -hmm. and stuff, very obviously I feel like that that would be something where it's, you know, a protagonist who is Jewish and has to deal with something from their own folklore, you know, not, and like, you know, that's not to say that like, there can't be like critiques of it, but like, you know, what I'm thinking of is like, you know, 
the that religion and that culture just doesn't get a lot of shine. Yeah, as opposed to kind of like a- Christianity, which is like we've seen so much of it now that we are seeing it as an antagonist. So it would kind yeah. of be like um, Krampus, is what yeah. I think. Krampus. Like, like you have a character from a culture that that a lot of Americans might not be familiar with, and um, mm-hmm. kind of delve into that. Which is also I why it's wish important the to like was in Krampus more. Oh, I love the grandma. <laughs> um, which is why it's She's important, fantastic. by the way, to hire a lot of um, people from different backgrounds. Yes, and let me be absolutely films. clear. I am not saying whatsoever we shouldn't do any of these horror. We shouldn't delve into other cultures in horror. The opposite. I'm just saying that, like you said, hire people who have that cultural context, who can tell those stories, as opposed to Tim Burton taking, like, I I would never have known The Corpse Bride was a Jewish folktale. And I felt like all that culture was kind of, you know, sat from the film, or at least moved to a point where I did not see it. And and I, that's not to say because I didn't see it, someone else didn't see it, but you know what I'm saying. This, this is some hard topics here, but it's interesting, and I like talking about it. Yeah. And of course, like, we are all white Americans. Yes. So, like, there's a lot of stuff that we're probably missing and that we have to learn, which again is why yeah, like it's the whole thing of... to see um, different cultures accurately represented. And yeah. I think the thing that made me anxious is when like Native American mysticism is used in horror mm-hmm. films. That's what I'm thinking of. And when like, Stephen oh, it's a Native King. American burial ground. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really guys? Really? Well, yeah, because it's always like a movie made by a white person who like doesn't yep. know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's and when, there's a um, Native American burial ground. There's not a Native American to be seen. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the focus is still on the pain of white people being traumatized by yeah. <laughs> the Native American curse, and it's like, well, okay, um, indigenous well, people carry a lot it. of trauma. <laughs> well, yeah, like yeah. indigenous people have dealt with some horrifying things. So yeah, but uh, how can we make this that? about my condo? <laughs> Um, I do want to say, speaking of, like, because we were talking about, like, Jewish stuff, um, there is a movie called The Vigil that I feel like we should watch. It's a horror film about, um, I, I don't know if it's about Hanukkah specifically or another holiday, but I know it centers around Jewish folklore, um, and I feel like we should watch that at some point. Ooh, I would be down. Yeah, Let me double maybe... check that to make sure that I have the right. Ooh, this movie. Looks okay, good. so it's literally it's literally about a vigil where like you have to watch over a body during uh like a funeral ritual or like funeral um like practices, which is very interesting. I would like to watch that and. Yeah. See how that is. Damn, you're right. Christians are boring. That sounds ama- like <laughs> cool as hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the the problem is like not so much that any one culture is uninteresting. It's that this is the only culture very... that's focused on in our cinema. So it's like become mm-hmm. oversaturated with the same viewpoint. Yeah. Yes. Like, the same thing over and over again with very little variation. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And it's again diversifying. Hollywood letting people who 
like have been traditionally marginalized have their voice heard. Yeah. 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 So this movie was great. (laughs) This was a very good Um, one. Thank you, Ethan, for recommending this to us. And Mm -hmm. uh, I would definitely recommend it to our listeners. Um, It is on Shudder. I think that you can... That this is a movie that really needs to be experienced so like we can tell you about it but I think it's not going to be the same if you don't sit down and watch it so um, I give it a recommend especially if you like found footage Mm -hmm. there's so Mm -hmm. much that like goes like it's not linear it like loops back in on itself and then you're like oh hey remember this thing from earlier well this comes into play now and it's like very hard to explain the um the line of it and the way that yeah. it goes through and you just have to sit down and watch it and piece it together yourself because it's everything's there it's just very hard to talk about in a way that makes any sense i would really recommend this horror movie to really anyone like normally i'd say like well if you don't like this don't do it the only thing i would say if you're an avid dog lover like the thought oh, of a dog yeah. getting hurt fucks you up mm-hmm. don't maybe don't watch a par- certain part yeah. of this movie but other than there's... that like i didn't think there were a ton of jump scares i can't like if there were you knew they were coming there's not a ton yeah. of gore like it's mostly just this sense of dread and watching this narrative unfold and it's mm-hmm. it's in such a smart way that avoids most of the tropes that we're used to mm-hmm. so i i yeah. would really recommend this one yeah, I would say trigger warning for animal death, um, animal dismemberment, and then also pregnancy and abortion and the things that are talked about with that, um, because that is yeah. like another theme with it. Because um, they do feed aborted fuses to a, a like a nine year old girl, <laughs> and that's not. And I'm sure if we dug into it, there probably is something we could find about yeah. motherhood. But to me, I did kind of appreciate that the abortion was like incidental rather than like yeah. a point of the narrative. We it needed was more monkeys, like a source but we didn't have things. monkeys, so we have the next best thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like... if you need, yeah, if you need babies, I mean, that's. Or, you know, that's the easiest way to get it. And Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, like, targeting the mothers or anything. It was just like, yeah, this no. weird nurse just took them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I would say, I would say trigger warning for, like, them talking about, like, pregnancy and abortion. And then also, like, they do show the fetuses crawling on the little girl and that was a little disturbing but it's kind of reminded me of like oh i'm trying to think of what it is when you kind of switch something out it's can't remember what it's called but it reminded me of the fetus from the pt game but if they had like little eyeballs do you remember pt i have no idea what you're talking about i remember pt You remember PT? It was this playable teaser for the new Silent Hill game that was supposed to be made by Kojima. And, and then, Guillermo del Toro. And Guillermo del Toro. And then if and you, like... never ch- finished it. And there's, like, this fetus that is chilling in a sink that'll talk mm-hmm. to you and say creepy shit. And it reminded me of that fetus when I saw them crawling around. Yeah. I was like, ah. <laughs> it's the fetus in the sink. My favorite part of PT is uh, the bag that sits in the corner and talks to you. The only me is me. Are you sure that the only you is you? I love that. That's like one of my favorite lines in the whole thing. (laughs) It was great. 
Uh, fetuses. <laughs> fetuses. Uh, well, um, let's delete us this fetus. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> thank you to all of our listeners, as always. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you check this movie out. You can find more about Netflix and Kill on Twitter at Netflix underscore in underscore kill. We also have a Patreon where your donations are greatly appreciated. It helps us keep our show running. Um, Special shout out to Jenna and Miyoko for being some of our higher donors on the Patreon. We love and appreciate you both so much. Love you. Yeah. Uh, We hope you all have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, which is like technically today because it's past midnight. (laughs) Um, So this episode (laughs) probably won't be out on Thanksgiving. But anyway... Eat a lot of food and, like, take really good naps. And also don't go to Black Friday. Just chill. Go home. Oh, yeah. Have a no. nap. Don't eat leftovers. Be you nice. Eat a <laughs> Commune with the demons. <laughs> um, don't actually do that. No. Just, Please I don't. mean, it's Black Friday. Maybe watch Black Friday by Starkid. That's good. Watch that. Um, listen to the song Friday by Rebecca Black. Ooh. Yes, that's that's the only Black Friday that matters. <laughs> Rebecca right. Black Friday. I don't have a Friday pun. <laughs> uh, it's okay, we love you anyway. <laughs> Take care, everybody. And may your nightmares be plentiful. Bye.